I'm Renee Ritchie. I work as a tech analyst. I'm Georgia Dow. I'm a psychotherapist and do podcasts. And this is Apple Talk, where we talk about Apple and related companies and how they affect our culture and our lives. So Renee, are we, where are we starting off today? So uh, true confession, our original podcast, our original pilot for this podcast was all about- Which we did about, three times. Yeah, it was all about the antitrust hearings and we just, we didn't get audio for it. No, it no. was really good. Yeah, it was so good it would have been used in the final report for the antitrust filing. Maybe not that good. It was probably that good. Probably that good. But it doesn't exist anymore. So now the report has come out. They've issued their verdict. They Well, not their verdict. They've issued their report. They're telling us what they think, how they think these companies have wronged us. And I figured we'd start with Apple because that's our focus. Okay. Well, how has Apple wronged us? So it's <laughs> interesting because going into these hearings, I just I did not understand them. And the U.S. and the EU... There's like these two different entities that try to uh, do anti try to govern and regulate anti-competitive behavior, and with the EU, it's all about increasing competition. Like they just want to make sure that there's a lot of different consumer choice on the market. Right. But in the U.S., it's mostly about preventing consumer harm, and they tend to do that by wanting prices to be as low as possible. Right. So, and there's just a lot of comedy that results in all of these things. So you have the Department of Justice in the U.S., the Federal Trade Commission, but in this case, it's the U.S. Congress. And it reminds me of that, that West Wing joke where if you want to just stall a process, make it as cockamamie as possible, have it just a bunch of yelling, seething, bipartisan you know, chaos, that sounds like a job for the U.S. Congress. But I, I, how do you think that Congress did in this case with asking questions and, you know, going through it and kind of trying to sort, because this is not an easy subject to go through, right? What does yeah. it even mean? What does antitrust mean? You have to define everything and go through it. What are your basic thoughts before you go through what happened oh, I, beforehand? I think it was absolutely ridiculous. I think it was completely tech illiterate and it was a complete dumpster fire. Um, I, I did. I did have problems initially with them going in by by calling in all these four companies at once, handling them at once because they're so different. Apple and Facebook and Google and Amazon have such fundamentally different. Like, there's a lot of overlap between some of them, but right. not all of them. Right. And I did think that they initially made a really they they surprised me. They surprised me and they disappointed me. And the long of the short of it is, I think. The charges they laid out in the beginning, they did not prove at all. They didn't even try to. The, the charges they, they set aside in the beginning, they didn't even argue those. The, what they did do is make a compelling case that all of these companies abuse their competitors and their partners. They use the power of which they have yes. to be able to control, Push dictate, around. Yeah. find information to it. And the interesting thing is that they actually had receipts. So they yes. actually went through internal emails that, you know, they would ask the question, then when, you know, one of the, the, the heads would say, I'm not really sure about that, then they would say, well, yeah. we have this email of you stating these exact same things. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, which I thought was actually pretty good that they, at yeah. least this time, they, they brought the receipts. Yeah, no, I, I think that part was great. It just, it didn't, it didn't match with what they were accusing them of in the beginning. Right. And then at the end, they just gaveled it and said, okay, we're going to break you all up, which had nothing to do with either what they were accusing them of in the beginning or the behavior that they identified successfully in, in the middle part of it. Right. Because Congress. Yeah, it's, it's lots of people that get a very short amount of time to be able to deal with something. And then they're interviewing few, four of the biggest yeah. tech companies, um, which most of their answers were, I, I don't really know, I don't do this. And yeah. then they... they as they should push kind of their 
Yeah. Whatever is their dialogue of, of press that they want to send out to the world. Their sound bites, yeah. Yeah. So for Apple in specific, I think it's fair to say that absolutely everything they're criticizing Apple about involves the App Store. Like as far as I could tell, while they're they're investigating Google and Amazon and Facebook for a bunch of other things, Apple seemed entirely focused on the App Store. Right. And the way the arbitrary way in which they enforce yeah. their rules of the App Store. Yeah. And what was what was tough for me to see is in the very beginning, Tim Cook was very forthright saying we treat everyone in the app store the same. Right. And that's not at all true. Like right. if he'd said we treat all apps in the same category the same, right. you could argue that. Right. But just any objective, dispassionate look at the app store shows that since the beginning, like apps have never been treated the same, nor, nor should they be because there's all different kinds of apps. But even apps within the same category at times are treated differently depending on the weight of that application. Something, yeah, that those were those were interesting. I think those were rare. Like just from the beginning, like Steve Jobs comes out and he says like no porn, and like you can argue like anything you want about that, but there's just some apps that aren't even allowed on the App Store. Right. So you can't say you treat all apps the same. Immediately, it's we treat all apps on the App Store the same. Right. But then we just had this whole kerfuffle about um, categories of apps where some categories are allowed reader apps and some aren't. And Apple has a whole list of the categories of apps and a reader app, so it's a really dumb term. It just means that that app can provide a front end to a web service and they don't have, you don't have to pay Apple. They don't have to pay Apple anything. They can pay, like you can buy your, you can pay Netflix and then have a Netflix reader app to watch your videos on, on right. your phone. But not all apps qualify for reader apps. So again, immediately it's not true that they treat all apps the same. Right, right. And I, I think that, that Tim spoke well, but it was also interesting the way that like his camera focus was kind of like it was fuzzier. He was much quieter, which I think was very, very smart of him. Don't say anything unless you need to say it. Say the yeah. bare minimum. And his coloring even was like a little bit less colorful. Like he kind of mm -hmm. just like the background in him were very similar to that. You know, so if you don't like, you know, you're not going to really notice him. Yeah. Just leave it alone. Stay quiet. Say what you have to say. Don't say anything else and just, you know, let everyone else kind of take the spotlight. Well, I wanted to ask you about that specifically because he was almost completely no contrast. Yes. Like the yes. opposite of what we're doing here. Like right. you have light behind you, I have light behind me. Right. There's a, there's a hair us. light. Yeah. See us, look at us, listen he to us. He was almost completely no contrast, no saturation. Yes. There's that joke from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where Gina disappears and at the end she reveals that she wasn't hiding, she was just wearing Amy's clothes. Right. And she's like just sitting there in all the scenes and Amy's like, I feel this is gonna be about me. Oh, it's about me. <laughs> And that's what it was. It was like he did nothing to draw. Was that a smart strategy? I think that that was a brilliant strategy, right? Because when you're when you're going to court or in front of Congress, you you know you don't really want them to pay any attention to you because then there's very little. Like in the end, they can only use what you say against you. It yeah. really can't be to your benefit. Your benefit is nothing happens. And so I think that that monochrome kind of colorless quiet, speak, being very polite, stating what he yeah. was, and disagreeing if he had to, was a brilliant idea, which was almost the stark contrast to Mark Zuckerberg, whose face took up almost the entire screen. It yeah. was in high def, it was high def Zuck, um, and he was right there in like front of you. knocking on your head. <laughs> almost, and in a much more combative, but yeah. I've actually also found him very straightforward yeah. at times way. And he's done this also the most, yeah. right? Yes, he's um, most So it was kind of like, look at me, see me. And, and he was right there and a little bit more aggressive than, much yeah. more aggressive than I would say that Tim Cook was. 
Yeah, so the interesting thing is like Apple's play here is by saying that they are not a monopoly in any category in which they compete. Yes. And all of this is about defining markets. Right. Because you can define a market any way you want, and that's part of the game. So if you say like globally, Apple isn't a, mon a monopoly because Android has by far the biggest share. Yes. But in the U.S., Apple has roughly just slightly over half the, the share. Yes. But amongst U.S. teens, Apple has much more than half the share. And in Congress, though, they, you know, we we're talk we talk about Mongre they often mentioned market share and market control, yes. almost trying to veer what antitrust meant to be more about being able to control and dictate what it's yeah. saying, which kind of goes against what, you know, antitrust is traditionally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was another huge gripe of mine um, that they are, I, I, just to say at the beginning, I believe all these companies need to be regulated. I just don't believe that you can apply existing laws to them, especially not all right. of them the same laws. Like, I think they need to come up with modern regulations. Right. Uh, ben Thompson has a, done a great job writing about, for example, Facebook and Google as aggregators and how that's traditionally very different, that's fundamentally different than like a railroad. And maybe you can apply the railroad things to like the app store. Maybe that's closer to that situation. But even then, it's, it's specifically creating something just to just to charge it with a crime, which right. I think is dicey. Right. And why I think they did such a bad job. Right. And again, like the because existing these laws have been written way before any of this came yeah. into about, so it's not going to make sense, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And the app store. So like the grip, the gri the, the gripes, the grievances, the griefs against the app store. Uh, some of them are like this reader app thing where, right. hey, tried to make an email client and Apple said they couldn't make a reader app for it. Right. And there was a whole bunch of back and forth and some some really weird rules that Apple made up seemingly after the fact that then, hey, jumped through the hoops and managed to do it. But also things like Apple competing against apps. Um, and in some cases, it doesn't matter. Like all, Apple will tell you in almost every category where they make an app, there are hugely successful indie apps like James Thompson makes PCALC. Uh, Michael Simmons uh, Flexibits makes Fantastic Hal. Right. Um, Sebastian DeWitt makes Halide uh, with Ben. You know, they, they are phenomenally good apps in those categories, but Apple is still in those categories. Yes. But for most of the things that Apple makes a category for, like many of the apps are free or yeah. very affordable. And so I think that it's not the same competition in that case. I think that people would be more upset about the control that they can carry about which apps can come in, yeah. percentages, um, than it is really you know, a competition thing in comparison to Amazon, which is directly competing for money and profit and has been shown to actually bully and pester uh, competitors out of the field or the same thing with like Google and the Yelp incident where yeah. Google was directly saying, we're going to take all of your reviews. You don't like it. Well, then you're not going to be found we at all. Take you off Google. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the interesting thing here is the EU um, is, is floating some legislation where they would not be allowed to install apps by default. And I was joking hmm. because obviously it's not going to be all apps. Like I was just joking going, yeah, you can't yeah, install any apps. Phone. Well, how are people going to get them from the app store? Oh, but you can't install that either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And you'd open your phone and be like, what am I going to now yeah. do with this phone? So, I can't charge it and I can't put on an app. No, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. But like, so that's where I think that 
they often do the reverse. We talked about this in a previous episode where you should right. figure out the solution you want yes. and then design and then the process to get there exactly. rather than sort of think about these abstract things. Like in abstract, yes, maybe these apps shouldn't be pre-installed, but what is the actual consumer benefit here? Yes, and because it, let's just say it, like people don't, I wouldn't know what to install. I wouldn't know how to do it. And often you don't, like I'm, I'm happy with Well, you certain... wouldn't know a category of app existed maybe if there wasn't a built-in right. version. Right, or I, you know, I, I'm trying to read something yeah. and then I don't have a reader application that's on my phone to be able yeah. to open the, I would just be angry. It would be a frustrating yeah. experience. So I think that I appreciate that there's a whole bunch of apps that are already installed that might be useful. Like I'm not having a calculator, Oh, you know, his, his calculator is great, so you should get the calculator. Yeah. But anyways, but um, like not having that on your phone at all could be like just a bad experience. Yeah, and I don't think that that's consumer friendly. I don't think it's a consumer benefit. My thing is that uh, I think that it should be a lot like there. They're, and this is actually like your opinion on this, because this is tough. There's two schools of thought on this. One is that Apple should be allowed to put these apps like the, the, the basic foundations of the operating system should be on the phone. And the rest, like uh, like pages, things like that, numbers, you should have to go get that from the app store. Why though? Because those why are extras. A, like you don't why need is that, that. Benefit to people. Because How does you that you might get me? Excel instead, or you might get Google Sheets instead. Like you'll you not like I, it's but not a basic thing you need to the run only, the phone. The only piece that I would say to that is that there's so much choice out there that I think that a lot of people will will find that experience more frustrating than a benefit. I would much prefer if the apps are there. I could delete them if I want, yeah. and I can get another application, which is pretty much though some applications you can't delete on certain phones, and I think that that well, like is phone. <laughs> right. Well, that's actually good because if I did that by mistake, I'd be really yeah. upset. But but that's what they're weighing is like some people do delete them, then they have no idea where their app went. Exactly. Like, so, but I I don't think that it's a I don't think that it harms me in any way, shape, or form to have say pages on my phone, and I can use it or not use it if I choose yeah. to. But I could download something else if I wish to. That gives me choice, See, but, but some it also people think you won't download the something else because you already have a good enough. I probably won't because I'm lazy. But <laughs> and again, that, that that bothers developers. I probably bought this already because I'm enjoying this ecosystem, yeah. or I but want. But that's this the danger. See, that's why it's hard. And like the other yeah. charge is that Apple should not be allowed to use any APIs, any application programming interfaces that they don't also make available to developers. But the problem there is that some people trust Apple way more than they trust a developer they don't know. So for example, if there is access to some of your data, you may trust an Apple app to access that where you wouldn't trust any app that wants it just to access those things. Yes, which is true. I do that. I actually do that But developers do sometimes that think that's really unfair because they can't do an app that does everything. Like the Clips app, Apple's, you know, Apple's fun little Clips app that lets you put like weird backgrounds. It doesn't ask for camera permission, but every other app by every developer has to ask you for camera permission. Right. I, I think that it would be fair to go the opposite way where you can say no to, you know, Apple apps for camera permission yeah. as well and go through it that way. I would much rather that than have developers have access to my information because I think that that could be has a greater chance of being misused. Yeah, and the other the other point is, I guess the other two big things is different alternate charging methods. Right. So for example, if you don't want to pay with your iTunes account, like your App Store account, right. I'm, I'm so old, I still call it the iTunes account. That's okay. Um, if you don't want to pay for your, they, they would really, and this, this will bring into the Epic thing in a few minutes, but you know they, they want to be able to use their own charging so they don't have to give Apple 30% of the revenue. Um, and the opposite side of that is it becomes more, like one of the benefits of Apple is the trust. Like one of the reasons right. the App Store is so successful is that people trust it absolutely. They're willing to try an app, buy an app, 
no questions asked. But if you add alternate payment options, it becomes more confusing. Like you don't know which app you have to pay for which way. Like maybe you need a PayPal account for this one, a Stripe account for that one. A, a, you have to give your credit card to this app in a third one. And then also if anything goes wrong, like if PayPal has a problem or if a developer charges you directly and your credit card gets skimmed, you lose confidence in the app store. Right, right. Which, which again, then Apple has to deal with that issue that yeah. may not have been there beforehand. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting. Like one of the things I've always said is that there's already an alternative with the Google Play Store and that it, the best way to get Apple to change is to make something so good in the Google App Store that that the App Store doesn't support. Like if Instagram had only been able to work on in the Google Play Store or if um, Uber had only been able to work in the Google, like any of the world-changing apps, right. even if they're just fun world-changing apps, if, if, they, if Google had allowed them and Apple didn't, and the first one for me that with this is Xbox uh, Games, Game Pass and right. Google Stadia, like if those become as popular as Netflix and Google Play allows them and Apple doesn't, I think Apple's going to be forced to change because that's, people are going to not get iPhones if, if they're big gamers and they want those things. But otherwise, you know, Google offers, not, not everywhere, not for games, but they offer alternate payment methods. Right. And they offer sideloading, which is the other one that some people believe you should be able to sideload apps. Like if China bans VPNs or the U.S. bans TikTok, you should be able to sideload them. Could you explain just sideloading for those? So sideloading works like a traditional, this is like the heart of this other huge argument that's going on. When, when Apple created the App Store, when Steve Jobs first introduced it, he introduced it as an app console, not as a computer. Like it can run apps and games, but it's not a traditional open computing platform. You can't do anything you want with it. Right. They wanted absolute control over the environment. Right. Um, but on a traditional computer like your Mac, you can go to a website and download an app and install it. You don't have to go through the app. There wasn't an app store until a few years ago. Right. So on Android, you can, if, if you don't want to get something from the Google Play Store, they also have alternate stores. Like if you have a Samsung phone, there might be a Samsung store on it. But also you can... Uh, download apps arbitrarily. It, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops and disclaimers, but you can you can download arbitrary apps and install them. Right. So if an app is not on the App Store, you can still get it. Right. Which is another one of those issues that with Apple, yeah, you, you can. can't. You you're yeah. kind of forced into that, and so that's another one of those issues of yeah. should they allow side loading? But then you do something, it breaks your phone, steals your data. Yeah. That's kind of the issue that Apple says, but we make sure that everything, every application has been looked at. It's secure. Your privacy is insured, but one does one outweigh the benefits versus yeah. the risk and our ability to choose. And we saw that on Android when things like Pokemon Go first came out and it wasn't available in the U.S., uh, or when Fortnite decided they weren't going to go onto the Google Play Store. And yes, we'll get to Fortnite in a minute. Um, the, very quickly, people put up versions of those apps with malware on them, knowing that some people would download and install them. Right. And then they got that malware on it. And you can say, you know, I'm a grown-ass adult, but I think there is a difference. We can argue the line, but there's a difference between computers, which were mostly meant not for normal people. Like they were meant, they originally came out of universities and government programs and early punch cards and then command line interfaces blocked almost any normal person from using them. GUIs were a bit easier. Phones are super easy. Like kids from five years old to people who never yeah. touched a computer and they're in their 80s can use them. Right. And the the demand for openness versus the safety of the environment, I think, is a legitimate discussion. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's what Apple gets largest hit by people is their controlling nature and how you can't just do anything on the yeah. phone. But I think that that's also one of their greatest strengths is that it works. It works really comfortably. You like it's quite secure. Yeah. And you know that when you're going to give it to someone, it's not going to have all of those real issues that you're going to have to be tech support to everyone. So Epic is one of the biggest cases lately, and they decided they weren't going to pay what they called the Apple tax. And just editor's note, don't ever use the word Apple tax in an article you want me to take seriously. It's such a dumb, what, it's such a what, dumb term. What is, what is the Apple tax? They today? claim because Apple asks for a 30% uh, share of the revenue that that's an Apple tax. But, it's but a, is, it, is it any different than No, it's industry Android, standard. Right. Like Google, Google will charge it on less things. Like you have more options. But for example, a game like Epic, that's why Epic hates Google too, because they also charge that 30%. Right. And um, they tried sideloading on Android, but they said that Google makes it so hostile because they warn you that you can get malware, that it's not practical. Uh, Epic is a special case though. But yeah, so, they, so they, put, they, they put their own alternate payment process in there and Apple and Google banned them from the store. And they keep going to court to try to get injunctions and force their way back on. And the judge in the case is so smart. She is so smart. She sees through all of the nonsense, like from all of the lawyers. She's just like, no, nope, nope, that's not how it works. She knows exactly how it works. Because Why Epic, do they try? Epic, because Epic kind of went in saying that we're fighting for the little guy. Yes. We're fighting for developers. Yes. This is a walled garden. It isn't fair. Yes. Um, and so they, they kind of went out with this hope that they would be looking like a shining knight going to rescue everyone. And yet the judge kind of shut that down saying, you know what, like... You're not the victim here. Right. You knew the rules. Yep. You read everything. And, you know, we talk a lot about how, like, privacy, all the rules, they're, they're really, like, it's hard to read yeah. through them. They're difficult. But Epic has tons of lawyers that they yep. pay a lot of money that know exactly how to do it because they write the same kind of rules and apply the same type of fees to their own service, which they're fine about. They don't say, oh, we were wrong too. We're not going to have everyone else charged for other things that they're buying through us. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's hilarious to me. And what just happened, I think yesterday, might have been the day before, depending on when you're watching this, was she slapped them around so hard during the, during the trial. They got to the second part, and the, guy, and the actual lawyer from Epic said the quiet part out loud. He's like, well, I was not really successful in the first part, but I'm going to keep going. And I was like, oh, why? Why would it's you like say that? Up. I know. Yeah. But uh, so basically reasserted what I think was fair. I think most people thought was fair is that Apple can't uh, cancel all their licenses, so they can't get rid of the Unreal Engine on the Mac. Um, but they, they, she's not going to they can't force. Be pu Apple can't be punitive yes. against this. She's kind of like, don't be punitive. Yeah. But like don't overreach. But you also yeah. have to make sure that if you sign a contract, you have to follow the contract of yeah. which you were she signed. She said that you can, like, you can reverse your own harm. You can get back on the app store any time. And Apple kept saying that. And interestingly, I know we're jumping around a bit, but interestingly, both the judge and Apple said that they could put the game back on the store and hold the money in escrow until the final decision. And Epic was like, nope, not going to do it. And then yeah. so whose side, like, who's really on the side of the players here? Right. Well, and, and that pretty much shows the answer to yeah. it that... This really is about money and the bottom line. And, you know, the game is so big, I think that they were thinking that people would be really angry and because of that would kind yeah. of has an, have an uproar. Um, but the case was seen through very, very yeah. quickly. And and they were like so mature about it too by making like a 1984 ad and making a caricature of Tim Cook in the game. And it just, it's one of those things where I think sometimes a, a powerful charismatic CEO like uh, Tim Sweeney for Epic even Steve Jobs, because he got involved in all sorts of stock backdating 
and no competition, you yes. know, conspiracy. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, like like things that, that did get Apple slapped around legally. I, I think they sometimes just want what they want. And yes. to me, this feels like Tim Sweeney just wants what he wants and to the doesn't really care about the clients. Like, because they have clients for the Epic Unreal Engine. Like, people use that to make games and doesn't care about the customers in the end. I think he just wants what he wants. Yeah, which is... Like fair, I think that every company kind of wants to get as much as they can from it. I think if you're not a founder, it. you don't get away with that behavior. I think if you're popular enough, sometimes people do. Maybe. They'll give you a little bit of an allocation because we love you, so we're not we're going to look past this. Yeah. But I think that when people looked at the fact that it, there was like a hypocritical aspect to what they were stating, and it was known, yeah. right? They're going to be charging. But I just mean internal pushback, or maybe it's just because he owns so much of Epic, everything that Tencent doesn't own, but. Right. Uh, you know, or, or Sony doesn't own, but you know, like like um, with with Facebook, which we'll get to in our second topic. Mark Zuckerberg built it so that he could sell shares, make money, but not give up control. And there's literally no control on him. Where like Tim Cook has way more controls on him at Apple because he's he, he's subject to the board and the shareholders. So I guess ultimately, it's unclear to me where we go from here, like what the what the regulation is. I think Apple would be well advised to get ahead of this to avoid especially like the EU getting involved right. because they, they can screw up any technology company uh, and do things like, like I don't know if they should allow side loading. I don't know if they should allow alternate payments, but they should investigate it. And I think the most important thing, the critical thing is they should stop making own goals. Like to me, the whole hey email thing was an own goal. And when they removed a developer certificate in, like incorrectly a few weeks ago, right. that was an own goal. And like just every time they do something that hurts the developer and gets negative attention, it makes the likelihood of regulation higher. And they should avoid that at all cost. So if Apple states that they're working on it, does an internal review, do you think that that would be enough to appease at least the US Congress? Yeah, and I think developers in general are fine with the 30%. Like, I think the 30% thing has just been completely overblown by a few um, sensationalists, I think, mm-hmm. um, especially in social media. Uh, like, you can, you can quibble that it should be lower, and that's fine. Like, uh, it probably should be lower. The App Store now is not 10 years ago. Like, right. 10 years ago, it was brand new. But it's what Google charges, it's what Xbox charges. And you could say it's a collusion, it's a cartel, it's an oligopoly, um, but... I've never seen any proof of that. I've never seen any proof that they had talked to each other and said that this was the price they were going to charge. And they're not making excessive profits over it. Like they're profitable. And you could argue they should run at no profit because they're the platform owner. I would entertain that argument. But then it would have to be across the board as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And companies are there to make profit. And so it becomes this really difficult being an industry standard being the fact that other companies are doing it for whichever reason makes it really hard to argue that Apple's doing yeah. something wrong in comparison to all of them are doing something wrong yeah. versus them just saying, well, this seems to be what's fair. Other people find it fair. So we're going along with what we think is a fair amount. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I would I would just make sure that there's never, as much as possible, there's never a situation where anyone believes that they're... I think it comes down to you can't get away with the same behavior when they're this big. Like... Uh, one of the problems, and we'll get to this in the, in the second topic, but one of the biggest problems with this is it felt like the Congress was litigating problems from the last decade. Like even a lot of the emails they brought up were years old. Like there were Steve Jobs emails. Right. And Steve Jobs hasn't run Apple since 2011. Like right. even then he, he resigned as CEO in 2010. Like he just, or you know, maybe it was 2011, but that, that's not this era. 
Right. And Eddie Q, sure, Eddie Q is still actively involved. But when, like, when you have a really big partner, you let them get away with more than a little partner. That's how all businesses work. Right. Like if I have an, uh, a sponsor that says, we'll pay you $10 million for the next two years, they move to the front of the line. Like I love all my sponsors equally. But like but if, that one maybe a little if Walmart, bit more. Like if you're a, <laughs> yes. if, if Walmart yes. suddenly wants you on the shelves, or you know any like you you're, you suddenly get a huge movie deal, that's just how business works. It's only problematic when you're that big. And I think Apple went from being such an underdog to being so successful and never stopped to think if they could get away with the same sort of rock and roll negotiation style, right? That they right. had. So where would you like to see like just as a customer, where would you like to see this part end? Just for Apple. I think that it's really difficult because I think that I, you know, I think that like I think that if Apple made a gesture of goodwill, right? I think that that would go a really long way. Lowered their percentage just so that they were underneath what Google was charging. What you know, like if they just did that, I think that that would go huge. I don't, but I think that I understand Apple's also. Yeah. Like their shareholders and what they're they're making is a huge deal, and if they make any changes, they sneeze, their stock prices go down. And so that's yeah. my other piece to it is that how much does this da- damage Apple as a company? But even if they lowered it to twenty eight, it's like two percent difference. Again, but two percent at Apple's numbers is a huge amount of money, and so you know it does giving a good sign of good faith to be able to be helpful or apps that make under a certain amount don't have to until they're profitable to this certain percentage i think that that would probably very minimally affect apple but i think that for small developers i think that it would be a really big deal because they'd be able to you know first start up and become profitable and then yeah. after that then they could start paying their way just like everyone else did because there are a lot of struggling developers. And now that the App Store is so large, even just being seen and having your app heard about is a really difficult time. Yeah, I, I have this thing, and I think we've talked about it before, where I actually don't think that Apple and the App Store are the problem. Like, I think there are problems with it. And I think there, that Apple, like whether or not it's regulated, I think there are things Apple should change. I don't think it'll change anything for developers just because I think apps are becoming pop culture the way that movies and TV shows like people used to buy CDs and now you get all your music for 10 bucks right and people used to buy video games like you remember video games were like 16 they still are 60, $60 $90, and yeah. now it's ten dollars a month for game pass exactly like there's just that money is being taken out um, and it's not coming back but I and I even think like I personally think that they should allow side loading using gatekeeper like on the Mac um, but I don't think it'll solve the problem people think it will. Like there, people are like, well, then we can install VPN apps. Then if if the U.S. bans TikTok, we could install it. We could still install it, and maybe for a very few apps. But China's going to ban the servers. America's going to ban the servers. You're going to have a side-loaded app that doesn't connect to anything. And maybe like the very nerdy people will figure that out. Right. Um, but the non-nerdy people will download TikTok unlocked and just get malware. Right. So like. I, I think we have got to come to grips with the changing of the market and changing of the world and that we don't buy wooden toys anymore. We buy, you know, factory made plastic toys now. Right. But on the other side of companies that are doing things that are illegal yeah. um, and get caught for that, that's a complete different story. And I think yeah. that that is something that needs to be heavily regulated. And I think that we've mentioned this now a couple of times. I don't know if it's even on the ones that we have. But like regulations that carry sentences instead yeah. of just regulations that are small slaps on the wrist economically that don't really affect the company, even if they were percentage amounts instead of 
number amounts, which yeah. seem really big, but to the companies, they're like, you know, a, a nickel in their, their pockets. Yeah, it's like that gets into the other three companies, our second topic, which right. because they also had it on their report on them. And again, I'm disappointed because there are so many problems here and I don't think they're addressing them. I think they're again trying to fit them into their cookie cutter mold, like Amazon. Amazon and I'm deeply conflicted because I love Amazon's service, oh, no, but it makes me part. feel so like such a bad human being for they using it. They give such a great service, yeah. and the refunds are great. Like they treat their people, yes, customers. their customers, wonderfully well. I yes. almost never had a bad interaction with Amazon where they have not made sure that I was taken care yes, of. Same. And so I use it, especially and now when like, I don't yeah. leave. But then I feel bad about it because I know that Amazon is not the most loving cus no, company to the people that, that are on Amazon and yeah. to their workers. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, absolutely. Like they treat their, their warehouse workers abysmally, like reprehensibly. Uh, and they move into places, they get huge tax. Like people complain that Jeff Bezos doesn't pay enough taxes. I'm complaining that they give him so many tax breaks. Like, yes. Pick one, like you, you like just, it, it, yes, fine. Be upset that Amazon's paying off taxes. Stop giving them tax breaks. You'll have a lot more money. But beyond that, they, the one of the one of the things that the uh, report raised was their their house brands. So, for example, Amazon got into basics. You can buy the Amazon Basic Power Bar, the Amazon Basic Diaper, like like all these categories. They're competing with their own um, with their own partners, and it's Amazon argues that this is not unusual that Walmart has their own brand that President's Choice is a house brand for example yeah and that's true the report argues that because Amazon has has access to much better data that it's different I don't believe that's true yeah. one of my old jobs was in data analytics and we helped run the data analytics for some of the biggest um, retailer like uh, food retailers in the world right. and they all knew exactly what was selling and not only did they know who was buying Coke instead of Pepsi they would turn around and sell that data back to Coke and Pepsi right. both their own data the competing data right. and the ancillary data like who's buying what potato right. chip with you and do you want to pay extra to be on the shelf next to that chip and I don't know if it's fair to ask and you could say it's wrong but I don't think that any company if you have access to that information would choose not to use it to to become more profitable, yeah. right? But then also, no company can properly or effectively, they could effectively if it was in their benefit, but no company wants to police themselves. They're yes. going to do what no, they can not, going to. not to get caught. So the police themselves so they don't get caught, don't get something that's so illegal that they'll be sanctioned for. But how do you, if you have that information at your fingertips, it's almost like you're doing a bad job of as a company if you're yeah. not really using well, all the analytics yeah. that you have well and for the company's profitability itself yeah. because that's what their like main goal is is to become the most profitable and to make sure that no one else can become more profitable than you and you can take more of their profits for yourself yeah so i think their remedy here is saying that maybe amazon shouldn't be allowed to have house brands that they should that you should have to choose to be the store or the products being sold at the store. But then wouldn't they have to do that with all other grocery stores? Only when you get to a certain size, because again, like the antitrust kicks in when you have disproportionate control over a marketplace. Fair, so then Walmart, would that be, like at what number are you gonna That's give the it? That's question. You, and then you've already have your brand, people yeah. have maybe known it, trusted it, loved it, and then now you have to stop production well, and all also, those people that are working have to become out of work because well, also, your like, size grows. Like these brands don't come out of nowhere. Like often they're, they're, they're made by the same people who make the regular brands. Yes. They're just made in bulk and with no packaging and sell lower. So 
we don't actually know how much like Amazon brand toothpaste might be made by like a Colgate. Like it probably isn't. I have no idea. I haven't even looked into this. I'm just saying yeah, it yeah. is a don't, podcast. Don't quote us. But um, like Amazon toothpaste might be made by Colgate and we don't know how much money Colgate makes from that versus how much they make. Like I'm guessing they make more from their name brand, but maybe Amazon buys like a ton of it from them. I, I don't have these numbers right. and I didn't see them in the report. Right. Versus when they're specifically targeting a brand, such as in the, the diaper yeah. issue, they're choosing to target them, choosing to undercut them, and there's a paper trail where they're trying to gut them. That seems to go more into that gray, this probably yeah, shouldn't black, be allowed, yeah, evil, yeah. right? Because this is a targeting. But then the other side to that is, but don't any, isn't that what everyday meetings go between Coke and Pepsi and you know, no name brand this and yeah. something else. Well, I think the I, I think the charge here is that it's unfair because Amazon is so big, and because of the the wide range of data they have, they can pick and choose which products to do in a way that no like consumer packaged good company can. They have to invest money in testing and putting these things out there. But Amazon can just look at all the stuff they're testing and say, oh, this makes the most money. We're going to do this and because they're so large. They can they can sell them on purpose to yeah. bankrupt. They can Another price them company. just to, enough to make more money. They can place them on the web page in a better position to make, which brings us to Google too. And you mentioned yeah. this earlier, where Google will copy Yelp's results, put their own results on top of Yelp. And then if Yelp complains, threaten to take Yelp off Google. Right. You know, they have an and advantage that, one, that the individual that doesn't. That to me seems like it's a much more direct, yeah. they're using their own platform to be able to control and misuse the information they have in order to now you know, like 89, I believe, 89% of the search results go through Google. Yeah. Like that one's a really hard argument to say that there is any competition. Like I try to use DuckDuckGo, I really do. Yeah, same, but, same. But it's hard, it's not on everything yeah. because, you know, it's, it's good enough. It, the, the thing to me is like, I, I get a lot of pushback for being super critical of Google, but to me, Google is the most important company in the world because they're building the Star Trek computer. Like Apple makes wonderful phones. Amazon delivers my stuff. Facebook is hugely problematic, but Google to me feels like they're building the future. Like if we're going to get to Star Trek, Google is going to be the big part of getting there. Right. And that to me means that they need a level of scrutiny unlike any company in the world. Right. But at the same time, they enjoy this reality distortion field that is 10 times Steve Jobs at his highest. Like you have granola crunching, neck bearded, open source advocates fighting for Google because Google says the words open source right. when they are just as proprietary, just as controlling, even worse in some ways over like you can't get like, yes, you can get Chromium's open source. You can't get Google search open source, AdSense open source. Every company tries to protect what makes them money yes. and open source what makes other companies money to hurt them. Yes, exactly. And Google's great at that. Like even since Eric Schmidt is like, well, you can change your name after high school if you want privacy, you know? Right. It is a, de uh, and in the report, it's, if you look through it, Google is the most sinister, calculating, cold-blooded company when it comes to all of this, like how they've handled it over the years to try to minimize their exposure to antitrust. It is Machiavellian. Yes. Uh, and we saw like anything they want to build. We saw this with like Skyhook. They, they'll, or with Google Maps, they'll partner with somebody to take everything that company has. It's like Microsoft, but like, the Borg version, right. take everything they have, duplicate it, then dump the person. And 
it, it just happens over and over again. Right. And they, they went to Congress and actually said then when they acquired a company that was going to get that was going to be able to get rid of kind of the anonymity that we have when we go through search. They specifically said, we are not going to use this. We, we can't even if we wanted to be able to know who is the person yeah. behind all of the clicks. Then they bought the company. Congress said, oh, OK, we believe you yeah. because you said that. And then, you know, two years later, now they there's no anonymity through the Internet. They know who it is, the direct person that is making which clicks. And when called about it, um, it was kind of like, well, you know, I don't really remember that. Did we do that? Yeah. So it's a big deal. Yeah, and it's totally irrelevant to this, but it also disturbs me the the amount of harassment and other claims relating to Google executives were just completely brushed aside, paid off, you know, moved aside. And still, as far as I can tell, nobody's been held accountable for any of that stuff. And that's doesn't directly relate to this only in, but it does in terms of how I think the management behaves. Hmm. Like I'm, I think Sundar Pichai is wonderful, but I think he smiles while a lot of really troublesome things happen. And uh, again, like a Android, I, I, I have to be careful here because I have such distaste for Andy Rubin at this point, but he, he hasn't been involved for a while. But Android, Still, like even whenever they talk about privacy, it's privacy involving developers, not them. Like right. Android still tracks you at a level that's incomprehensible, almost. And the government's report, like, like it's unclear to me how they want to control Google either. Google gets away with a lot of stuff that we get angry at Facebook for. Like for some reason, we just don't get as angry at Google. Maybe because we think like, oh, they keep failing. Like Google Plus didn't work, or they keep canceling stuff. It's so cute. Like they have this this Keystone Cops, aw shucks, we messed up something else facade. Right. But underneath, it's like super successful at getting everything they really want. Yes. And we, I think that we've become accustomed to it, right? We yeah. use it all the time, so we become accustomed to that. Um, and they get caught. It does not really make the same press no. that Facebook does. Facebook takes a lot of hate, some of which I think is very, very valid. Um, but... Google does not really get called out for it at the same levels. And it's again, it's hard to say what the remedy is here. Like, should Google already split themselves up into Alphabet? Was that a map for how the government should split them up? Um, but what even would that change? I don't right? know. Like, does splitting up a company, it doesn't mean that they cannot give in, they're not supposed to give information back and forth, but how would you really know? I think I think what it looks like is sort of GDPR style privacy regulation right. being enforced, and GDPR is isn't great because it it puts a it it puts a burden on smaller companies that big companies can afford to just pay their way through. Uh, so it's not perfect, but I do think going back to what we talked about before, holding executives liable for crimes committed on data as if they were physical objects yes. would go a long way towards. Um, suppressing the worst impulses of these companies. Right. And if they, you know, misuse things or they go against what, you know, they say to Congress, which is supposed to be a crime in the first yeah. place, lying to Congress is supposed to be a crime. Oh, they didn't know. They don't pay attention to the companies. They're not sure what's happened. They'll get back to you. Do I even run Amazon? Yeah, let's 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 just <laughs> like they have the Am I that's that why Jeff they... Bezos? <laughs> it was the other Jeff Bezos. Did yeah. I really do it? But if there's a paper trail that actually leads back and yeah. it's knowledgeable yeah, I think that that should be an actionable fact. Yeah. And Facebook, you know, again, Facebook is hugely problematic. 
uh, it's like depending on where you fall on it, it, it's either done the most to bring the human race together more than anything else, or it's done the most to tear us apart right. more than anything else. Uh, it, like you said, Zuckerberg has been there before. He's got the T-shirt. He's done this over and over again. Right. He is absolutely fine with breaking any rule, being yelled at, and then just breaking the next rule so you forgot yes. about the first rule. Yes, exactly. He broke. Saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Did I do that? Well, he's doing the next thing. Exactly. And they were split on this. And I think it's really unfortunate because there's this huge divide in American politics that makes it very easy for bad behavior to slip in between. And on one side, you had a bunch of Democrats who are trying to misapply uh, outdated antitrust. And on the other side, you have a bunch of Republicans who are trying to complain that they unfairly target conservative thinking when it's not clear to me that any of the Republicans on there are actually conservative. Like, none of them are yelling about balancing the budget or paying down debt. And if you look at Facebook, like, this isn't a question. You look at Facebook any any day, you can see the most popular articles, and they're not being suppressed, and they're mostly cockamamie conspiracy theories that they're, that these, these um, Congress people were complaining about. Like, it's just... Their will, their desire to pander to a very small, loud minority of people for political, like gain. shameless political gain, really does a disservice to regulating these incredibly harmful companies right. that have literally gotten people killed. And the thing is, is that when you control the media, you do control the message. And yeah. so I think that because this is so politicized, it's the people that lose out. It's our privacy, our information, and... If you see something enough times in media for anything, you say something enough times, you begin to believe that it's yeah. true. But we're too busy hitting each other. We want them to play these games. These games come from us. Yes. Well, and you click it. We yeah. click those links and we, you know, we buy the justify it and we justify <laughs> yeah. bad behavior because it's our guys' bad behavior, yeah. not those guys' bad behavior. And so then we become more and more split when really in order to deal with these issues that is it our detriment to our society, right? And there have been Facebook executives and executives to other companies that have actually quit because they believe that yes. they are, they have specifically stated that they feel that they were destroying the fabrics of society. Yes. Now, so like, just think about that. You have a job, you want to get a job in the same field. Coming out and specifically saying that about a very yeah. large company has huge repercussions. There is no benefit to fame to say that you really have to believe that to not just quit, but then yeah. to publicly come out and state And not that. just one person, like multiple people over the last few years. And again, like, it's unclear to me they understand the problem because they were complaining about Facebook having a monopoly right. on social networking. And again, Ben Thompson did a great job pointing out that they don't because this is not a physical good. Like, this is not the cable company where you only have one cable company in your city. You can click between Facebook and previously Google+, but now still Twitter and a bunch of other things. Like, they're only, and this is what Google argues. Google says, oh, competition is just one mouse click away or one, you know, tap of the screen away. And theoretically, yes. Practically, no, because they have their tendrils throughout the web. And they also focused on the Instagram acquisition where, yeah, 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 it probably should never have been allowed, but it seems like such a small part of the problem at this point. Right. It's like um, if two st if there's the same owner for two stores and you, you get into an argument over the price on an item, you say, I'll show you. I'll go across the street to the other store, but it's the same owner. They're laughing. Yeah, And yes, exactly. that's a problem, but the problem to me, it goes back to this whole TikTok thing with the U.S. wanting to ban TikTok. 
TikTok is a company. You should never ban a company. You should ban the behavior of any company in that industry that is problematic. Which actually causes change. Yes. Yes. Right. So totally unclear to me that anyone is using this beyond a political talking point. Like or that any real change is really going to happen from yeah. from anything, you know, are they going to make widespread regulations to make sure that consumers are safe or are they just doing this kind of to use this as a loudspeaker towards yeah. their own constituents. Yeah, I fear that's true. I fear that you have on one hand people yelling, you know, suppressing of suppression of of uh, free speech, which just shows that these people have no concept of what free or no, they know. They don't care, and right. that should they be terrifying. They don't care unless it's it's their free speech. And that's what bothers me is that if it's my free speech, I want it to be heard. If it's someone else's free yeah. speech, I would like it to be suppressed. But that's the part that scared me. The part that scared me the most is that almost every single one of those Congress people had moments of utter clarity and precision of prosecution in this, where they they elaborated on their case perfectly. Like they were like a really good lawyer. And then the other 90% of the time, they said things so outlandish that they had to be performing for the cameras. And it disgusts me on a deep personal level that, that we allow them to, be, to act like circus clowns because that is what we want rather than act like prosecutors, which is what we need. Right. Like they will say abhorrent things and then flip a switch and be needle sharp. And that's the real them. They're pretending to be the clown for the camera. And that really offends me. All right, so I would love to know where you fall on this, both you know, for Apple, for Amazon, for Facebook, for Google. And what can you do to, what would you do yeah. to fix this? Or do you even think that it should be solved? Or, you know, it, should this just remain kind of this wild west and, you know, let the strongest survive? What would be your ideal remedy? If Like, what would make these companies better for you? I guess that's the bottom line, because that's what should be the concern is, right. not you personally, but you as a, a family, a society, what would make it better for you? Right. Uh, so we do have our extra bonus topics coming up on Nebula. If you're subscribed to Nebula, I you'll something get something very interesting too. Oh it's it's experiential. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> All right. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. I will. Uh, I will embrace. I will embrace fear. Um, but in the meantime, Georgia, where can people find you? Uh, so if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. Uh, you could send me an email, Georgia at westmounttherapy.com. And wow. uh, I'm, I'm on, <laughs> everyone always questions that. No, yeah. it's always been nice. Okay. Um, and I'm on Twitter, Georgia right. underscore now. And you can find me at Renee Ritchie on every one of these. I stopped using Facebook completely. I kind of just blew it out you of everything. You really have done yeah. a good job. I'm very Not proud. Instagram still. No way. No, I, I use it less, but mm. I still, it's hard. Quitting Instagram is hard. I quit Facebook, Facebook Messenger, even people who said like, that's the only way I have to contact you. I'm like, sorry, better learn how to use SMS. Um, but, <laughs> you get all these direct messages then. Uh, Give me your yeah, phone number. You can number. find me at Twitter at Renee Ritchie and on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie, where I did seven videos last week, Georgia, yeah, and including can, the last podcast, seven you videos. Did no, you did amazing. You did amazing. Plus the Apple event is probably, if you're watching this later, it's already happened. So you're going to have that's like That's why we probably, didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it because- It'll have already happened. It'll already happened. Whatever we're going to say now has already been said so many times. And it, it's you'll already It's the future, Marty. It's a paradox. So hopefully you've already seen it or you, this is Monday, yeah. then- We'll you know, go over it next week. We'll go, we'll go over yeah. it and discuss all of the stuff afterwards. But um, please hit subscribe. Leave a Send review. People. Leave I a like rating. Those, if you're on please. Apple Podcasts, Georgia would love to read them. She I does. Do. She reads them. I do. I read them. Yeah. I get yep. excited. 
Someone replied. And again, stay tuned for our bonus topics on Nebula. And if you don't have a Nebula subscription yet, you can just go to what is it? CuriosityStream.com slash Apple Talk. I think we have our own our own link now. Oh nice. CuriosityStream.com slash Apple Talk and sign up and then you get CuriosityStream and you get uh, Nebula and it's the best deal in, in streaming. Awesome.